want to just share with you a little bit from John chapter 12. Uh, John chapter 12. And we're just going to explore John 12. I, I really just love talking about the scripture. Sometimes um, uh, Sister Susan Liberto will ask if I would just sit down and talk about some things with the interns who are interning here or maybe to somebody on missions, and we, we'll just talk about the scriptures and talk about God. So I want to just do that a little bit. Uh, I, I've often said that Jesus is my hero, and I found out there was a song uh, about that. I guess I don't listen to song music as much as when we leave here. I don't. And uh, Jesus is my champion, and I found out there's somebody wrote about that. Yeah, so uh, it looks like I'm copying people. But... But really, uh, it's okay to copy if you copy somebody's doing well. But I wasn't doing that. I was just saying what came out of my spirit. And here in John chapter 12, I think my, uh, my subject is, Behold your king. Israel, Israel was, uh, was sort of unaware of, or they refused to accept the fact that Jesus was their, their king, their Messiah. But the objective of chapter 12 for me uh, is that you and I may be more connected to Jesus and his character, <clears throat> the way he deals with things. And we'll find that as our pattern as we traverse through this particular world and this particular age in which we live. It, it's just uh, so astounding that so many of us as believers in Jesus have become more like hearers. Not all of us, but just too many of us have become like hearers and not doers. You know, I remember reading a book when I was a young boy, uh, Dick the Talker and Danny the Doer. Anybody old enough to have read that book? Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, maybe you can Google it, you young people. You'll just Google it. Uh, Dick the Talker and Danny the Doer. And so I would like for us to not just be those who talk about Jesus in a particular context, but refuse to walk out what he desires. And we are living in an age where that is happening all the time. It's what we would call prolific. And so we don't want to go in the way of the world. We want to follow Jesus and do whatever he says, whatever he says. I said to someone recently, uh, and this person was not being critical at all, but they were talking about my compassion and, and how maybe I needed somebody, you know, with some more oomph. And I said, no, because whatever Jesus tells me, I will tell you. And see, Jesus is not about uh, setting us straight in the sense of the world, but Jesus sets us straight uh, according to his righteousness. And Jesus is never driven by his compassion for us, but he is moved with compassion as he teaches us, as he shows us the way. He is the, an amazing Savior for us. And John records this um, uh, episode, no this particular event um, in John chapter 12. Uh, I, I, I titled this Mary Anoints Christ. And it is so, uh, so compelling, so amazing how you and I can do amazing things for God. Uh, in a, for, it's like an ordinary way. We can do amazing things for God in the jobs that he has assigned us. And here we find that Jesus, um, knowing that he only had a few more days uh, to live, went by his, his house to visit his dear friends. And I think I find that very, very uh, sweet and compassionate, how Jesus went by to see them in Bethany. Let's read. 
So then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead. I, you know, when you read the Bible, do you just stop like that and pause? Just stop and pause. Don't just keep reading just to get a volume done, but read. He says, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead. This was a huge miracle that Jesus did. And, and when J Jesus performed this amazing miracle by raising a man who had been dead four days, that then the, those leaders, the Jewish leaders said, we've got to kill him because if we don't, everybody's going to go after him. So, so it shows you how pathetic uh, religious people can be. And that they're supposed to be representing something good, but they will do almost anything to hold their position and hold their control. Um, and so we find this is happening. And so he says, uh, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, Mark in his gospel tells us that uh, this dinner at Bethany was not held at Lazarus, uh, Martha, and Mary's house. It was held at Simon's house. So I think that's very, very key to know that it was held at Simon's house. And he says, there they made him a supper in Bethany, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, and we see that Mary was not holding back on her gift to the Lord. She was not doing it things at a minimum, but she was going all out for the Lord. And so my question to all of us in this particular time in which we live, are you going all out for the Lord? It's challenging, but you need to go all out for the Lord. I said to a young lady, the Lord gave me a, a word for her today. We were conducting a, a home-going celebration for a wonderful young woman that I've known for uh, maybe a more, at least probably about 35 years when I moved to town to Corpus Christi. And uh, she passed away. She was here a couple of months ago and uh, contracted COVID-19. And, and uh, uh, she succumbed uh, with it, uh, not so much from it, in the sense that her, our times are in God's hands. And, and so we were there at, at her home going in at the grave and I, I had met uh, again I would say as we say in Texas I met again uh, her one of her relatives and a young woman came in and was telling me about how uh, we had done these things for her grandparents and and I when she walked into the room I had where I was at the funeral home I felt so powerfully that God wanted to speak to her but I didn't have an opportune time. And I said, God, I, when she walked in, I knew that was someone whom God was dealing with who, who had a great assignment. And so at the grave site, I was able to approach her. And she had known me because I'd been friends to the family and almost like a relative to their family. And whenever we shared with her, it, it, it it totally resonated with her and she accepted the truth of God because she had been walking in a place where God was causing her to be a person that she didn't recognize anymore. 
and she was different than she had been in her walk with God. Now she was just all in, and, it's, and at times uh, being all in was a bit frightening. And I said, I understand frightening with God because that's why we call him the awesome God, you know, because he can be a little frightening. You know, we are in awe of him. In awe is not like, hey, in awe is like, ooh. You know, you know, wow. And so we were, we were sharing that. I, I shared that because here in this uh, story, you find Martha served. Lazarus was one of those who sat at table with him, and Simon was the other. And we find that in, in uh, Mark, Simon was the other uh, person who had been uh, cured from leprosy. And he had been healed by, the, by Jesus. And Jesus, as it were, was, was there in Bethany enjoying those friends of his. And, and here you have Lazarus sitting, a man who had been four days dead, now sitting and talking with the Son of God and eating with the Son of God. And as I've said to you before, it portends our resurrection. It portends our supper with God. And we see that in all of us who have been healed now will be at table with God. This is so big for me. And so what that means is that you and I should give everything we have to the Lord. This life I've shared with you before is not for us, as it were. It's not really about us. It's about him and what we do toward him, Jesus Christ. And this is what this world, is, this life is about. This world system doesn't want you to discover. Now, you may hear, but I don't want you to be a hearers only. I am astounded with so many uh, uh, Christians uh, and, and even churchgoers who are hearers but not doers. And here in this story, you find that these are some doers. You know, uh, let's talk about Lazarus briefly. Lazarus was a doer in the sense that when Jesus says, come out, he did. <laughs> you know, when Jesus shouted, come out. And as I've said to you, he meant come out from among those who are dead. He didn't just mean you come out of your little cave. You come out from among those who are dead. And he did. And so I call him a doer as well. And then you find that Martha um, is serving. And Mary is again uh, at the feet of Jesus. Now, there is a place for those who come out of their deadness. There is a place. And you may, it may be the same person. You may be the same person. There is a person who serves. Uh, a person who serves. Martha was now serving again. There was nothing wrong with serving, but Martha shouldn't try to get Mary up from the feet of Christ. So we have to look at all of our assignments and then be dutiful to do what Jesus is giving us to do. And then Mary took something very, very costly. It cost us something. It costs us to really go on with the Lord. I can remember in 1981, I had a a lot of traumatic experiences. And I said traumatic because God was challenging me to go beyond what I knew of him. And in 1981, I was terrified of God. I, I, when I say that, don't, don't condemn me and don't go out and say, I'll never come to this church again. This man was afraid of God. <clears throat> I'm telling you, what the Lord was showing me was something, things that I had not heard before, 
things that I had not seen before, and I was, I was nervous about it. I, I, if you keep going with God, he will show you divine secrets, and they're not, oh, cool, no. They're like, oh, Jesus, really, I'm going to die, you know. Uh, my eyes have seen the Lord, you know, you know. Uh, you know, nobody can see him and live. It's like that. So God has God has more for you and me than we have seen. And I've been seeing it and, and having glimpses of it. And I'm so amazed. I, I want everybody to go with me to these places where God is and where God expresses himself. It's, there's a lot more than we have experienced enjoying our nice little relationship with the Lord and not wanting anybody to help us go beyond. And I've gone beyond what people used to say, whoa, this young man is out there. And I went beyond out there. And it was, it was, it's been amazing. It's been amazing even this last year of walking with God in the midst of COVID and, and all of the craziness that, that accompanies COVID. And uh, it's been amazing that the Lord would say, I want you to come outside and spend more time with me. And I thought, well, I'm getting older. I want to just kind of cool, put it on cruise. But he says, no, I want you to come aside and be with me. And I thought this is sort of impossible for somebody my age. <clears throat> I'm certainly not Moses. And so as, as this has happened, I've seen uh, the Lord's heart in a way that I've never seen it. And I'm seeing these scriptures in a way that I've not seen them. And I want you to see them as well. And I want you to say, I want more of God. I want more of you. And when he gives you more of you, don't have skid marks, you know, wherever you're standing, where God has to pull you along. God has beautiful things for you. He has knowledge of himself that he wants to share with you. Wow. So when somebody is, is worshiping the Lord at the feet of Jesus, don't try to make them get up and do what you're doing. And if you're at the feet of Jesus, you're at the best place. Jesus said concerning Mary in the story of Mary and Martha, he says, she has chosen the better part. The Bible says that Mary's service, the fragrance of her service, I know it was the spikenard, the spikenard, this, this amazing perfume that was very, very um, uh, costly, very precious, and so they put it in this box or like an alabaster box, and they sealed it so that all of the fragrance would stay there. And sometimes God allows us or causes us even to be isolated in a sense. Sometimes I hear believers uh, complaining about being isolated, and we get isolated because God, it's not time for God to, as it were, break your little box and cause your, the fragrance that you are to fill the room. And this fragrance filled the room. It filled the room. And when it filled the room, it caused both blessings and problems. Let, let's look at true character a little bit in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now listen, she just heard his word. This life is about Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. It is about understanding Jesus Christ. You and I will leave here rich 
the more we know Christ. We will leave here poor the more things that we have placed value in. I am not saying that you shouldn't have the things, but don't place all your value. Your value is in Christ. Jesus Christ is God's value system. Praise the Lord. So Mary was at his feet. She heard his word. And so you are too now. You now are also hearing his word. And when you hear his word, what are you going to do with his word? Are you going to take his word and put it on a shelf somewhere? Or you say, that's a great word. Or are you going to be a doer of that word? Are you going to allow that word to, to inform everything that you do? In everything, as I said to the person who was saying that maybe I was a bit too soft, I said, no, it doesn't matter. Ask my family members. Whatever Jesus says, we do. You don't have to be uh, uh, brusque uh, to do what Jesus tells you to do. You don't have to get in your flesh to tell, you know, you don't have to do that. Say it like Jesus says it to you. And that's what I find in, in this story, that these people at the end are true to their character. And so you and I, at the end of things, we're living, I believe, very much at, toward the end of this age. This, there's a new era coming upon the horizon, and we have not seen that yet. And we are being prepared to either uh, be a sweet fragrance there or a distraction. We are, we're going to be a great a fragrance of Jesus Christ, or we're going to have treachery. There will be one or the other. Mary was distracted, the Bible says was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? See, serving was a good thing, but listening to Christ is a better thing. I find that many of us who are, who are, going, who are churchgoers and even some believers who are, are more, we're distracted about things other than Jesus Christ. And then we want to make, sort of bend the things that we're attracted, uh, distracted with, we want to bend them toward Christ. But they don't bend toward Christ. They are, as it were, polar opposites. They are in different spheres. See, the sphere of our operation is spiritual. That is the sphere of our operation. We operate in the realm of the spirit. Somebody said, well, Don Lavelle, but we're also in this world. Yes, but we still operate in the sphere of the, of the spirit. Because because we are now spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body, but we are spirit beings. How do I know that? Because we have been born of the spirit. That which is born of the spirit is not a spirit, but is spirit. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And so Jesus, uh, uh, Martha said, tell her to help me. I, I've, I've been dealing with this for some time now. When the Holy Spirit revealed to me that sometimes my prayers and my comments were trying to advise God, I, I, I decided I better stop that. And I'm not God's counselor. I, I don't counsel him. I don't tell him how to do things or what I think he ought to be doing. And here, uh, she's telling God, giving God some counsel. You see what's going on. I'm really burdened here. And you see this girl out here at your feet doing nothing. Tell her. To help me. And Jesus turns and said to Martha, Martha. I love this, Martha, Martha. Whenever I was being silly like that, and as a boy, my dad would say, son, son. You know, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. 
But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And we see now at the end of the li of life, uh, at the end of Jesus' earthly life, then we find that Martha is doing what she did well, but I think she has a better context because she's not telling Jesus, tell her to help me. See, we can still grow in, in the bent that God has for us, and that's what I find in the story. And uh, Mary is still at the feet doing something wonderful. I love our people who are just doing something wonderful. I love it when you just do something wonderful. That's what Jesus wants. <clears throat> There's a but in this story, and, and, and when I was younger, I would say more than that about the but. But we learn. <laughs> Verse 4 says, but, but. All of the beautiful things that we've talked about, now there's a but. And the but changes the, direc the direction. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, but one who would betray him said, now John is speaking after the fact who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, here's this guy. He's already pondering in his heart betrayal. And, and betrayal is anything that leads us away from God in an aberrant direction, in a direction that, that is polar opposite to what God wants. Now, we've, uh, I was with Alan once, you know, Dad Alan, wonderful man. Um, was with him, and we were talking, and somebody said, we've all betrayed the Lord like Judas, and he stopped that person. He says, no, we have failed the Lord. We have not betrayed him. I, I, there's a big difference in that. There's a world of difference in that. Peter failed, but Judas betrayed, and he was already pondering betrayal, and, and, and this is how you can know whether the enemy has kind of put a little toehold there in you. He has a little toehold. He gets you, he starts dealing with your attitude and gets, he gets your attitude all messed up. You start to think things you, you shouldn't. You start to judge people that you don't know where, where they have been and what they've been through. And so in this story, Judas Iscariot is obviously seeing things uh, that Jesus is doing and he doesn't appreciate it. John gives us a context here. He says he used to steal. Now John didn't know that at the time. John didn't know that. Why? Why? Because they were all shocked that Judas was the betrayer. They were shocked that Judas was the betrayer. Jesus had never let on that Judas was the betrayer. And we have to be careful about our conversations as well. Uh, because here in this, in, uh, here in this story, uh, he goes, uh, J Judas says that he wanted the, the, the oil sold and given to the poor. And he had God in front of him being anointed. Maybe it's just that subtle. I'm saying, let's look at this. Now, and Judas, uh, I mean, uh, John says, uh, he, he, then this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Now, now we know he was, he says, and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. And, and, and the ultimate um, view of his thievery or, or, or the, the, the thing that we can latch on to even more so than the fact that he used to pilfer from the money box was that he wanted to steal this praise of Jesus. He wanted to steal this from Jesus. He wanted to, if, you, if you're stealing out here, uh, you'll steal from God. You know, once you're a thief, you're just a thief. And this man, he wanted to steal this glory, this particular moment from Jesus. It should not be. And I, and, and I listen with, 
uh, we find here. It says the house had all this beautiful worship in it, but it also had treachery and it had betrayal. Judas' attack on Mary was to embarrass and stifle her worship. That's what I believe. It was to embarrass and stifle her worship. But Jesus said, let her alone. Isn't it amazing? Isn't remember in the story I told you according to Mark, Mark uh, Mary said, not Mary, Martha said, Lord, uh, make her help me. Tell her to help me. And he said, Martha, Martha. But here, when Judas starts to, um, as it were, mess with Mary, Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Judas, Judas obviously did not take this rebuke very well. He did not because the things he had been pondering, now he thought, I'm going to execute them. So whatever you are pondering that might not be in the center of God's will, may not be explicitly what God wants of you, if you are pondering, let it go. If you are upset with somebody because they've done something that you didn't appreciate, let it go. Let it go. Let God defend you. There was a, a, someone uh, has been um, attacking me on Facebook for some time, some years now. I've not done anything about it. It's wrong. All of the stuff, their lies and and then others, I found that others have kind of chimed in to say, yeah, yeah. When Judas said what he did, the other disciples chimed in. This should have been his soul. So they started to chime in, so be careful whose arguments you join. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. I think it's logical to conclude that from this moment he became resolute in his decision to betray the Lord. I am saying, if you are born again, I don't believe you're going to get there. You know, but if you, have, if you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, I don't believe you'll ever get there where, where Judas was. You may get there where Peter was. You, but you have to, you, when, when Jesus told Peter, um, before the cock crows, you're going to deny three times that you know me. No, I would never do that, God. That's what it's like. God, I would never do that. So when the Lord tells you something, you have to say, Lord, help me. You know, that's what I always do. I, I always say, I say it in English and in Spanish. Help me. Help me to be better. Last night, much of my praying was, Lord, help me to be better. Strengthen me, Lord God, in every area where I need it. Because it, I don't want to win the, uh, things get the worst that I act the worst. Or I'm weak and not able to deliver. And so this is what we find. And so, so here, uh, Peter, uh, I believe that it's, it's logical to say that Judas now, having uh, received the rebuke from the Lord, uh, says, okay, I'm going to betray him. Now, the question is, can you take a rebuke from the Lord? I mean, just, I want you to think about it. Can you take rebuke from the Lord? See, every rebuke that comes from the Lord doesn't come directly from heaven through the Holy Spirit in you. 
What if your leader gives a rebuke? What if somebody in your fellowship connection group gives you a rebuke? What if a friend gives you a rebuke? Can you take it as from the Lord? See, if you cannot take it as from the Lord, then you also are on dangerous ground. I remember, uh, I, I, maybe I shouldn't tell this story because my wife is not here. Um, you can pray for her. But I think she wouldn't mind me telling the story. She might appre not appreciate you telling her that I told the story. <laughs> I remember one time uh, we were, and she knows I tell this story. I like this story. It's a fun story for me. We had a brother from a particular country, and, and he was here, and it was a very poor nation. And he was here uh, saying not so many favorable things about his wife. And it wasn't like horrible, but just not this real sweet and gooey. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, so my wife said, I've got to talk to him. I said, don't, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And so she said, no, I've got to talk to him. I said, no, you can't do it. Please, please. You know, yeah, sometimes grown men do that. You know, and so she said, no, no, I have to. You know, and so... I oh Jesus, Jesus, you know. So th that evening, she said, uh, I have something to say to you. Oh, no, she's not. She said, I didn't appreciate what you said about your wife. Your wife is at home doing all the things that, that, that need to be done and taking care of your children and doing all these things. And, things. and I said, babe, please don't, don't. And I was, I'm sort of begging her. And uh, he went, so my guest is there, and he says, no, leave her alone. I take all, all blows for the gospel. I take all blows for the gospel. He was wrong in what he had said. It was not good. And I believe that helped him. I didn't want her to do it, but it helped him. And it was under my covering, so I think it was all right. Even though I was kind of whipping out. So take all rebukes. Take, take them for the gospel. This person who is trying to malign me in this fellowship is totally wrong, totally wrong. And someone came to me and said, I'm going to deal with that person. I said, oh, leave that person alone. Let them do whatever they want to do. It's going to be all right because God is able to handle that person. You and I don't have to do God's work in that regard for him. God knows when a person needs a rebuke. God knew. Uh, here, Jesus did not rebuke Judas for all these years. He's three and a half, three or three and a half years. He never rebuked him. Three and a half years, never. Here, we don't find any record of it, but here he does, and he can't take it. Can you take that from Jesus? Now, let me read this, and I will be finished for the night. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, knew that Jesus was there. And they came, not, now listen to what John says. The Holy Spirit allows him to say this. And when you find these critical elements in the scripture, stop and ponder them. The, the, listen, and they came not for Jesus' sake only. Now, DGL would be saying, Jesus, 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 right? But the Holy Spirit says, no, there's another perspective. But that they might also see Lazarus. They wanted to see a man who was four days dead. Now it was walking around. Alive, healed, and well. But that they all might also might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted, but again, but the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. We are living in a day 
where wickedness is what I call proliferating. It's like there's an abundance of it. The world system is a satanic system, no matter what you think. And Satan's goal now is to stop the coming of the Lord. And anything he thinks he can do to stop the coming of the Lord, that's what he wants to do. And one thing he's doing is attacking us, attacking us, because he can't kill Jesus. But if he can just get all of us to be crazy. And the world system says, here, we, we, we want to kill Jesus, but let's kill his effects also. Let's kill what he has done also. Because of this man, Lazarus, who was dead, graveyard dead. And it was a voice that came from outside the grave that spoke into, in, the, in the midst of the dead ones and said, you, Lazarus, come out. And they said, we, we're going to kill you for coming out. And so the world is against us too. These wicked men wanted not only to kill Jesus, but also to get rid of the witness. They wanted to get rid of the witness. So we had in this story three things. Lazarus was a witness. We see that you ought to have, if you have Jesus, you ought to have works. So Martha represents that. And then we have worship. You, you can't, if you don't have the witness and you don't have the works and you don't have the worship, you're not complete. So let's keep being who Jesus has made us. Let's walk this thing out with great joy, all right? In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.